everybody. It's getting dark early, and it's getting chilly. So uh, we're, we're hitting that time of the year where it's, I think I like fall the best. I've come to that conclusion, the older I get, I think I like fall the best. Summer, I'm not a heat guy. Winter, I'm not a good cold guy. Fall is about perfect. So uh, everybody's good? Everybody's, we made it halfway through the week, so God is good. <laughs> um, we're going to open tonight in prayer. And uh, remember, I haven't heard, I, I've been trying, I, I, I haven't heard how the McCaffrey family, do you know how Bobby is at all? Okay. So we'll continue to remember him and the family. Uh, remember Trevor, he, I checked in on him today, he's, he's not feeling great today, had a rough day. Um, unspoken, across the, across the room, any specific request? All right. Look, um, I do have one, if you, if you could. My buddy um, and his wife just lost, uh, last week their son went missing and uh, down, I believe, in Ventura. And uh, it's their middle, middle son. He's an adult. And he was missing, and they just found today that he, he's, he took his life. So uh, remember them. If you could, please, uh, Chuck and May Lynn are their names. Um, so... Um, they let me know the day he went missing, but today I found out that that's how they found him. He, he was struggling with depression, so remember him, uh, remember the family tonight. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Okay, definitely. Definitely. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, our community. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, our community definitely needs, I mean, uh, we need more events, more prayer like we had that, that night with all the churches. We, we, need, we need to lift our community up and, and start standing up in prayer for our community for sure. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and, Lord, to come together with family to study your word. God, I ask that your anointing will be here tonight as we apply your word to our lives, as we dig in, Lord, and learn to live for you each and more each and every day. God, you've heard the request tonight for Dolly's kids. We ask that you to work things out, Father, that the travel plans would work out and they'd be able to, everything would just pan out for their, their destination. God, we do pray for our community tonight, those, those family members who've lost loved ones in this past week. God, we pray for, for the McCaffrey family. We lift them up to you. I pray for Chuck and Maylin and this family that's lost their son, Lord, to such a tragic situation. And God, we just we, we thank you because we know you're able to meet each and every need. We pray for Trevor tonight that you would meet him, Lord. We pray for Gary and, and Jacob up north as they're out of town. Just keep your hand upon them and bring them back safely this upcoming week. And we just thank you again for the God who you are to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, not sure if anybody read the post, but I went back and I looked at the date that we actually started this this study, and it was uh, July seventh is when we first started the First Peter study. Um, there was a couple of weeks there where we kind of skipped or what have you, but for the most part, we've been pretty much dedicated to it. Um, I pray it's blessed you. I know that, you know, we've taken some of these books in the last year and a half and kind of just dissected them. And the thing about studies is you have a tendency, you can, if you're not careful, to overdo it. But I kind of think this one kind of just nailed it in the, in the right time segments and stuff. But we're closing up that book tonight. Uh, next week, we'll, have, we'll start Second Peter. And we'll actually have worksheets for you guys to fill out so you don't have to listen to me talk. But it's something that we can all just start discussing and talking and and bringing to the table different ideas and thoughts. Um, so we'll have that starting up next week. So kind of a different form of a study, but hopefully it still blesses you. But tonight we want to, we want to close up the book. And, and at, the, at the conclusion of a letter, there's usually, you know, if you've, if you've ever written a letter, there's usually some parting words that, that help reinforce, you know, what you've written about and what you were seeking to communicate throughout the, the entire letter. And that's what Peter's doing here in these last few few verses. We're going to look at six, excuse me, First Peter five, verses six through fourteen. Um, you know, there's a little bit of instruction, there's a little bit of encouragement, and then he closes out with kind of a prayer and a blessing 
And, and, and may, we, may we just see these closing words, these final greetings from, from Peter um, and, and apply them to our lives. But we kind of already talked about a portion of this scripture on Sunday. And we talked about casting our care upon, upon the Lord. So we'll touch a little bit about on that. Um, but let's go ahead and read that um, verse 6. So it says in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 14, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. It says, Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. My first question tonight before we really get into the discussion is, have you ever experienced a time in your life personally where God's care for your concerns was obvious? Has God ever shown up? Any, anybody want to testify to it? Say, yeah, God did this. Sue? God Carlina? There are times in my life where I told my mom that things were really, really picking up and I couldn't see where anything was going to come. And she came out to the cross and then tried to get a hold of us. And that's when I felt yep. that there was a hand. I couldn't put down my tears. In the mail, I knew it was coming from somewhere. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and God says that, right? In Psalms, He says He's never seen His His children hungry or without, right? So, we we can know that we may go through difficult times, like Peter's talked about in the previous part of this chapter. We can go through the sufferings and that, but God's never going to leave us high and dry, right? We're always going to be taken care of somewhere, somehow. Um, anybody else? A time where maybe God's care for, for your concern, was, you know, he, he stepped in um, and you, you experienced, uh, you saw it. I, I know one time, specifically for Penn and I and my family, we, um, we had sold, we had a two-bedroom two condo, and we, we had nowhere, nowhere really to go in the interim so we ended up finding this spot that we did not like at all right and and um i'll never forget standing on the front porch of that condo that night before we had to move and it wasn't finalized yet whether we would got that spot or not but that was all that was available and i'll never forget telling god you know you I, i'm stuck i got nothing i have nothing here and uh went to bed Woke up at 6 o'clock that morning after not really sleeping too much, and my dad called. And he says, hey, and, and if you know my dad, I mean, he doesn't just call me <laughs> just to call me. 
And he, he said, hey, everything's going to end up all right. God's going to take care of this. I said, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it, old man. But, you know. And sure enough, about 8.30, 9 o'clock that morning, I got a call from the realtor from that other place. And we were, we were able to move into that place. Now, here's the thing about God. God never puts us somewhere permanently if you, you know what I'm saying? If, if, he knows our hearts, right? And he takes care of us. And sometimes he puts us in a place where we've got to just be patient and wait on him, right, to open other doors. And that's exactly what this place was. It was a great little spot, cute little spot, but definitely not. Mrs. Long was not pleased with it. Let's put it that way. So that's the bottom line, right? Um, but, but, but it was a roof over our head, and it was a decent spot, and God gave us a spot until we were able to, about it. And he, I remember specifically looking at Penny and saying, the Lord said we're only here for a year. And then I remember specifically it was about a year to the date that we were moving out. So God works things out, and you just got to be willing to say, you've got to be in the right place. You've got to know, you've got, and that's what Peter's going to hit us up here, is being humble, right? Finding ourselves humble. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and that's the thing. God, God, again, he, he knows the desire. It may be small to us. Like that may be a small, ins- insignificant thing to everybody around you. But to you, that was a major heart's desire, you know. Yes, ma'am. exactly right um speaking of you know how this works out i mean so so how do we get to that point peter talks about it there in the in that first verse and he says god resists the proud but he gives grace to who the humble right those who have found themselves not above where they ought to be right not not thinking their bag of potato chips and all that right but uh but someone who who says you know shows humility uh actually peter's actually you know, quoting Psalms 334, where he talks about, you know, God resists the proud and, and gives grace to the humble. Um, resisting, that's a pretty big word. I mean, he, he resists the proud, meaning that he's not, he doesn't have to answer, he doesn't have to even look your direction, he's not listening to a word you're saying. If you come at him with this, this attitude of like, I'm all that and, and you, you're my genie, I promise you God's not going to show up. I promise you. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's the old, uh, I should have had a V8 moment, right? I mean, you just smack yourself in the head. You know, grace and pride, they're, they're eternal enemies, right? And pride demands that God blesses me in light of what I think I deserve, right? But yet grace deals with me on a basis of, of what is in God and not a basis of, of anything in me. It has nothing to do with me. It's all by his grace. And, and he, he, he gives grace to those who, who are humble. We've talked about pride a couple of times, and, and it, it will kill you. It's the number one thing that will destroy you in, in a heartbeat. The minute you think that you are, you are, you are better or, or deserve or whatever, um, look out. I mean, you're in a snare that's going to be tough to get out of. But God does have a way of, of humbling us sometimes. And even that, you know, sometimes we get through. But he has a very, he has a very loving way to do it. Um, if you're willing to be nothing, you know, God will make something of you. That's basically what it boils down to. If you're willing to say, God, look, I'll, I'll do whatever, 
you, you want me to, if it's sit in the background and do nothing but serve the kingdom, that's what I'll do. If you're that person that says, God, I'll serve you no matter what, he's going to use you in a mighty way. We may never see it. Man ne- may never see it. But we're not serving man, right? We're serving God anyway. Um, and the way to the top of the ladder is to begin at the lowest round, right? And in fact, in the church of God, the way, the way, to go, the way up is to go down. Right? We talked about that a couple weeks, about the humbleness that you need to have in serving. And then he says that you may, you know, you may exalt you in due time. And, and if God has a, us in a humble place at the present time, you know, we've got to submit to that plan. We may not understand that plan. We may not understand where we are, but where he has us. But we know that in due time, he's going to exalt us. He's going to get us through the situation. Uh, we need to stay humble. We need to stay, be still. I know I say that a lot. But man, if, if we would just get that, if I would get that into my heart, I think life would be a little easier sometimes. If I would just learn to be still, stay humble, and know that God's going to exalt me in due time. Um, we, we talked about this on Sunday, so I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on it, but I do want to dig into it. You know, in your heart and mind, what anxiety, hopefully none, because you should have taken care of this on Sunday morning, but what, what anxiety um, or burden are some that you may still be carrying, even after Sunday morning? Are you still carrying some, you know? And with an amazing service where God says, hey, if you just leave it here, I'll, I'll take it, right? Um, Dennis, you have Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Go for it. Jesus, whose words were those? Who, who spoke that? Not Dennis. Who, who spoke that? Jesus did. Do we, do we trust him? Do, do we trust what Jesus said, or is it just a nice story? You're exactly right. If we don't, we're in trouble, right? Because there's a whole bunch more words that he said that we need to be hanging on to. And he says, let me have it. I, I can take this. And and if we would heed the command that Peter gives us here, even in 5, 6, and again, we, we would truly humble ourselves under the, the hand of God, we would have fewer cares to cast upon him. Right? If we put ourselves in line with God and his will and humble ourselves and keep ourselves in check, you probably wouldn't have too many cares to cast upon him in the first place. Because you're, he's your soul, he's, what, he's your soul everything. So nothing's going to really weigh you down. Nothing's going to stress you out because you know in whom you're supposed to go to. Um, God has promised to take care of us. Amen? Do we believe that, though? That's easy to say that in church. But when you go home tonight or you wake up tomorrow or you wake up and there's a yellow slip for your electric bill, do you still hold that same, what you just said? Because that's where it really boils down to is, is where... Do we trust God or, or do we allow anxieties that, you know, come up during, the, during times where we're not together or in a perfect setting, right? And we talked a lot, of, again, about that on Sunday. Um, but he says, cast them upon him and then take up the Lord's burden, which is a light burden. And, and it's a yoke, again, that fits us perfectly, right? Some of these burdens, they don't, we, we're offset, you know, we're, we're struggling. But yet Christ's yoke is perfect. It's going to keep you perfectly balanced. You're going to be right there. He's going to carry the bulk of the load. You're going to be what he, in what he's got you set in and, and be good to go. That, that burden, that, that yoke, can I tell you, is, is living for the kingdom. It's being a witness for the kingdom. That's the yoke. You don't have to carry the cares of this day. What you have to carry is the witness to which you have, in you, which we talked about, the light bearing outside of you, to be the witness for the kingdom. That's your yoke. That's how we're supposed to be living. Um, there's many anxieties that, that, you know, possibly we can't cast upon God. And Peter, Peter's word purifies us, you know, of these ungodly anxieties. If you, you know, I'm worried that I'll never be rich. Well, if you're worried about that, you're going to be worried for the rest of your life. You know, I don't, I don't know a whole bunch of people that are in that boat personally, you know, especially today. You know, I'm burdened with others, you know, when others enjoy sinful pleasures and I do not. Well, then you've got to check your heart. You know, why do you want to be doing that in the first place? You know, 
Uh, I'm worried that I'm not famous or even popular. Get over it. You know, I mean, that's just real talk, you know. There's some people who love that, Raj, right? <laughs> well, that's a look of death right there. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I'm burdened that I cannot get revenge on those who wronged me. See? Hey, thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> but, but all these cares of covetousness and anger and pride and things we talked about on Sunday uh, they, they, they have to be. They must be in order for us not to be hindered, like we talked about Sunday. To move forward as a Christian, you have to cast those things upon the Lord. You're not going to move with them weighing you down. You're not going to grow. You're not going to become the man or the woman that God has purposed you to be because you think you can carry them. Um, casting, it's a, it's a rather energe- you know, very energetic word. And not energetic. That's not it at all. Energy. Is that right? Energetic? Man, sometimes. <laughs> it's Roger. He's just staring me down. He's got me on, he's got me on stare down right now. I'm totally, in fact, I'm going out that door after study, dude. <laughs> uh, you know, Christ didn't say, he didn't say lay all your care upon me, did he? Right? I know even on Sunday I said come lay it at the altar. But God, he just didn't say that at all. He said, cast. He said, throw it. He said, grab it and throw it, right? Cast it upon him um, so that he, you know, the idea is to throw it away from you. I remember one time doing this lesson with youth. I mean, it was years ago back at the other church, and I had a trash can, um, and I had each one of them write their burdens or stresses down on a piece of paper, and I had them come down to the trash can and rip that up and literally just throw that. Like, I told them to throw it into the trash can to, with, some, with some force. And that's what we should do. We should be throwing our, our burdens, our fears, our anxieties, our worries. Man, if, if, you, if you're the kind of person who stresses out, this is a perfect lesson for you. Try it. One, one, here's, here's a challenge. Try it. Try it and see if God doesn't say, you know, I mean, it's not, God's not a, a wall where you're going to throw a rubber ball and it's going to come back and hit you. I promise you that. You're going to throw that, and you're going to be expecting something, and nothing's going to come back but a very light yoke, right? And, and God's going to say, I've got this. Um, you know, we, and sometimes, you know, the work of casting can be so difficult that we need to use two hands to do it, uh, the hands of prayer and the hands of faith. And prayer tells God what the care is and asks God to help, while faith believes that God can and will take it. I'm going to say that again. It takes two hands to cast it, prayer and faith. Prayer is God, I, here's the care, I need help, and faith believes that God can and will do it. Those two have to work hand in hand in order for you to unload that burden, and in order for you to cast that off. You know, pray, prayer spreads the letter of trouble and the grief before the Lord and opens it all up, and, and, and then faith cries, you know, I believe that God cares, and he cares for me. I believe he'll bring me out of my distress. I believe he, you know, this is off my shoulders now. And he's going to end up promoting this for his glory. This is all going to benefit the kingdom. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's so true, though. I mean, I mean, think about the people who sit behind their televisions today and just watch the news. I mean, and all they get is all this garbage that's being filled with their, you know, all these fears, anxieties. No wonder why you're a mess. If you're sitting around the TV, you, you know how I feel about it. If you're sitting around the TV watching news, get a life because you ought not be watching it. It ain't doing you a bit of good. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, we need to be wise and know what's going on. But you definitely don't need to be filling your head and your heart with the garbage that they're, that they're filling it with. So, um, but we need to learn to, to do that. And why? Why do we cast it? Well, Peter finishes that statement. He says, why? Because he cares for you. It's not just because Jesus said, you know, let me have it. But he says, I care for you. I, I don't like it when you've got ulcers because you're so worried and sick. 
I, I don't like it when you lose your hair because you're stressing out so much. Uh, I don't like it when you're when you're getting sick and, and you're not able to do you're not able to get out of bed because you're so depressed or filled with fear and anxiety. That's not how I created you. That's not what your purpose for me is. I care for you. So you know, at the best moments, you know, God says, "I've got this," because I care for you. Anybody care for anybody? So you know exactly what it means to care for somebody. Multiply that times, let's see, uh, infinity, and that's what God cares about you, right? There's nothing you can do that can change his mind. He cares for you, and he has no desire for us to be carrying these things that we, we carry around. Next, he goes on to talk about the, about the enemy, and, and three times Peter tells us to be sober-minded, and Sue, do you have that scripture, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13? Go ahead. And then, Miss Mom, do you have uh, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 7? And then 5, 8 is exactly what he just told us tonight, to, to stay alert, right? Apparently, there's a reason that we need to be vigilant. And I would think so even more so today. So Peter's saying this. Remember, he's saying this to a, a bunch of exiles, right? They're, they're running scared for their lives. And he's telling them to, to, to stay alert, be, be alert, what you, you know, what's going on. Why, why is it, what do you think Peter's, why? Why has Peter repeated this three times? There's no wrong or right answer. Get, huh? <laughs> yes, well, that's always my, I'm going to tell you three times, it's knucklehead. It's very important. It's a warning. If I tell you, hey, before you walk out those double doors, be careful. There's a step that you, if you're not careful, you'll fall off. Right? And then, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and, then <you> go <laughs> and then you go walk off that step, and you don't heed the warning. What happens? You end up falling, and you end up hurting yourself or breaking something or bruising something. So, so Peter's really trying to get our attention in this book to say, hey, stay alert. I think we get, and we've talked about this, I think we get comfortable as Christians. Right? I think, it, I think it's safe to say we get comfortable. Everything's going fine, everything's going well, and the whole time the enemy's just doing this. Right? And he's lulling us to sleep. You know, James also said the, kind of the same thing. He talks about, so humble yourself before God. And then what's he say? Resist the devil. Don't even give him the time of day. If he asks you for the time, you say, not going to give it to you. We, we can't give him a toenail or he'll break in the door. And I, I know that from experience. I mean, so, so we know that if we resist him, James says that he will, he will flee, right? If, if you ever had to do that with somebody, just someone's annoying you, and you're like, I'm ignoring this person, and hopefully they'll leave. Sometimes they don't. That's really uncomfortable, let me tell you that. But, but a lot of times if you ignore somebody, normal people get the clue. Apparently that person don't want to talk to me, right? And they'll, they'll leave. That's what we need to start doing with the devil. We need to start shutting. As soon as you hear him go, you need to go, ah, and just ignore him and, and resist him. And we need to stay alert to his, to, to his voices, to his schemes, to the way he comes about. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. He's been doing this since the Garden of Eden. There's no new trick that he has. He, the same thing he throws at Roger, guess what? He tries to throw at me. The thing that he throws at Shannon, he tries to throw at Judy. And all these different ways. The problem, the thing is, we all have different weaknesses. So he just comes at those different weaknesses, right? But we need to learn to be, to be careful. And why? Because he says your adversary, the devil, uh, walks around like a roaring lion. I read something this morning that, that just was awesome. It was the raddest thing I could have ever read. This guy said, that the devil walks around, you know, certainly like a, a lion, but he's been defanged at the cross. So he don't have anything to, to chew you with. You know, he can't chew, he can't, 
can't eat you up, but the sound of his roar, his deceptive lives are still potent and has the power to devour souls and to rob Christians of effectiveness. So he doesn't even have to touch you, and he can paralyze you. You ever heard a lion roar, like for real? Um, every time I've gone to the Santa Barbara Zoo, um, I think except for once, I've heard that lion roar one time, but every other time he's asleep. That's the laziest lion I've ever seen in my life. But let me tell you what, I have heard that guy one time just roar, and you're exactly right. It will get your heart going. And you're like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> See you later. Somebody give that man a T-bone because he's unhappy. But, but it is. I mean, if you've never, it, it will, it'll shake your roots. And that's exactly what the devil tries to do, right? He tries to get us off balance. He tries to shake us. He tries to, to get us off sorts. Um, and all, but, but remember, he doesn't have any power unless you give it to him. He, he has no key to your life unless you say, here you go. Does that make sense tonight? So, so if, you're, if you're allowing the enemy in your life and your heart, you really have no one to blame but yourself because you gave him the way in. He's out there prowling, Peter says. He's just out there prowling. He can't get in until you allow him in. Right? And so, Renee, you had something? No, there's power in the Word of God. And, and the interesting thing about that is Satan knows that, right? He'll even use the Word of God against you. He'll, he'll twist it, right? But there's no power in that, right? But you can flip the script on him and use that same exact word against him, and he's got to run. He can't stick around. Um, Psalms 91.3 suggests that Satan may come against us like a fowler, one who captures birds. And, and this fowler or this hawk, you know, is always quiet and very secretive. You know, if you've ever watched, you know, any, any predator, you know, they're in the grass, you know, tiger, any kind of cat or, or, a, or a bird of prey or whatever, they, they never announce their, hey, I'm coming. I just want to let you know I'm on my way. That you never get that. I and mean, the thief is never one to say, hey, I'm going to break into your house tonight, so just be ready, okay? That, that's just not how it works. And Satan's no different. He's not going to come up to go and go, hey, D, today I'm going to nail you. So just, you know. No, we need to be constantly alert, right? We, whether he shows up at our door, front porch or not, we need to be alert and ready. Um, you know, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen tells me that Satan can come as an angel of light, you know, appearing glorious and good and attractive. How many times have we seen that? Sin looks really good, yeah? Let's, let's, it's, just, it's just one time, right? Be careful. Peter, Peter is so serious when he says that. Stay alert, because this is no joke. We're talking about eternal life here. You're talking about your life here. You know, imagine walking into, like again, back to the lion. You walk into the lion cage, you're done. <laughs> That's not very alert. It's not very smart. And so we need to do the same thing as Christians, even more so. You know, keep him out of our keep him out of our our, our world. Um. He says, resist them, steadfast in faith. You see, the secret to spiritual warfare is simple. It's steadfast resistance. So we're supposed to always be letting the Lord sink into us, right? Put into us, put into us, accept, accept, accept. On the flip side of that coin, we need to be resisting the enemy at every call, every, everything. You know, and, I mean, it... it I hope I'm making sense of it because we're living in a day today where it don't take much for him to get in the door in the first place. It don't take much to get into your heart, and it sure don't take very much anymore to get into the church. I mean, you could be watching a television commercial nowadays, and there's the devil right there on the screen, just shooting his stuff right through it. You know, um, we just, again, that's what I mean by staying alert. Do I need to, you know, does, do I need this in my life? Is this doing my life any good, you know? And, and you're like, well, Sean, I'm not trying to live a box, you know, in, in a box and be all boring. Nobody said that. Living the Christian life is never boring. <laughs> and if you're living it right, you ain't no box. You're free. 
And so don't let the enemy lie to you in that realm. Well, all my friends are doing this and all the, yeah, well, let the light shine and then see where it ends at the end of the day. I guarantee you if something happens, they're calling you for prayer. So we, we, we've got to stay alert, church. We, we've got to stay alert to those who, to, to the enemy lulling us to sleep. I'm going to miss Bible study. I want to miss church tonight just because. Not because I'm out of town, not because I don't feel good. I just don't want to go. Tell you what, that should be the very first indication something's going on. You know, when you get a cold, you're like, man, I just don't feel right. I got a scratchy throat or I got a little bit of a, I just don't feel good. You're the very beginning of a cold for me. I'm the biggest baby. I'm the biggest baby when I get sick, period. I mean, from the beginning of the sniffle to the end, I am the worst person to get sick. I, I cry. Penny will tell you, I cry. And I just don't like it, right? But for me personally, the first four, 24 hours of that cold is the worst personally for me. When I'm first getting nailed, when it's first coming in, like my head's pounding, my, my nose is burning, my, my, I hate it. I'm just a big baby. And, and we need to understand that the enemy is going to come in like a flood sometimes, and we need to stay alert. And when we start feeling that, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. I can skip one day, Lenore. It's just one day. I'm going to tell you what, I told you about that already. If I don't eat one day, I'm going to die. I mean, even more so in a spiritual realm. If I miss a day of reading the Lord's Word, I've, I've exposed myself to make myself even weaker to the enemy that day, right? So we just need to, we need to learn to become people who resist. And trust me, you know, we all know how to resist, right? It's, it's, we all know how to kind of throw our hands up to things we don't want to be a part of. And we need, to be, we need to be more of that. We need to be a people who are more of that, resist. We need to be more prayerful uh, every time that, that the enemy comes around. Um, the, the enemy, I'm not giving him credit here, but he's not an idiot. And again, if you continue to resist him, he's finally just going to give up. You know, he's finally just going to say, okay, I can't get him. Man, and this is what's cool about growing as a Christian, because where you were weak at one time, right, we grow and we become strong. So he can't hit me with that pitch anymore. So he tries to come at a different angle. He comes at something else that I'm weak at, right? Um, but he'll soon give up, and if he finds it, you know, if he finds it, you're attacked. And this is what I love about this. If he finds out that he keeps trying to hit you and hit you and attack you and come after you, and every time you do that, you keep going to Christ, I guarantee you he's going to stop. Yes, sir. Yep. That's right. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. That's a great point. Yep. So true. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. He's, copy, he's the biggest copycat there is, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, we need, to, we, need to, we need to learn to resist him, right? And, and James 4, 7 tells us how to. Uh, Ephesians 6, really quick, let me, let me go to that one just in, if you're taking notes. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, of course, we know what that is. And that is putting that armor on. And we talked about that a few weeks ago here on Sunday mornings. And, and I would encourage, I hope, I hope and encourage you still doing that because it's, it's a real thing. It, it's, it's even more real than you putting physical clothes on. Uh, again, none of us would walk out of the house unless there's something wrong with you in the head without clothes on. So, I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> so why would we do it in the Christian realm as well? You talk about someone who's going to be devoured. You have no protection. You're done. Uh, he don't even have to get close to you. All he's got to do is throw something at you. So remember, and that's another way we can resist him, by wearing that armor that God has given us. That's the armor of who? God. Yes, ma'am. That's right. right yeah it's it's an it, it's not just good reading it's something that daily needs to be done and all the time so um peter kind of finishes this point off in, in in talking about you know why why what 
knowing that the same sufferings, you're not in this alone, right? Sometimes we feel the devil's just attacking me, right? Or I'm the only one into getting, you know, I look at Roger Renee, they never get, they never get in trouble. I'm always under the, you know. We have a way of being, feeling, you know, playing that violin, poor me. But Peter, Peter makes it very simple here. No, by the way, everybody goes through this. You know, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by those around the world, those other Christians around. So we're not in this alone. Um, matter of fact, there's Christians in the world today that are, that are suffering a lot worse than us. They're not able to meet like we're meeting tonight. They're not able to carry a Bible in their pocket or in their hand. Uh, they can't even mention the name of Jesus because if they do, they're dead. So Peter wrote this to the exiles that, remember, right after he got done writing this letter is when Nero went on this massive persecution against the Christians. And he started hang, you know, spearing people and lighting them up on fire for them to be the, the flames for that garden. And, and so, so Peter knows what he's saying here. Hey, listen, every Christian is going through a rough stint. But resist. Stay alert. Know that the suffering's not forever, like he's been saying in the whole letter. Live for God. Stand your ground. Stand firm. You know, and here we are, we're living in 2021 where some of us are upset about some of the different things going on in our country. Yes, I am. Yes, we are. But can I tell you, and I think Miss Judy or somebody, I think, I can't remember exactly who it was, we were talking about this. God didn't say that he was going to save, bring the church home when things got a little tough. It doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. We may have to go through things much, much tougher than what we're even dealing with now which is going to test you to stand firm and stay alert more than you even are tonight. And so why, that's why Peter's given us instructions. It, it's not just for tonight. It's for until the day we stand face to face with Christ. And that's why it's so important we need to take the word of God, and it's got to be our life source. It's got to be the thing. That's the only thing going to get us through is the word of God. That's it. Uh, people are going to fail you. Uh, family's going to fail you. Material things we know is going to fail you, but the word of God will never fail. And it's going to be able to, you know, if you're standing there and they're telling you to denounce Christ, you can say, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that because I know what the word of God says when this is all said and done. Right? And that's so easy to say tonight, right? God, give us the strength and the boldness to stand at all costs. Don't, don't let me shake. Don't let me break. And God, let me just continue to resist and stand firm. Amen? And he closes this, he closes this letter out. And, and, and anybody have any comments or anything up to this point that you may want to throw in? Or It's been great. Thank you for those who have. And this is what we're looking for. But anybody, before we close this out with this portion of the letter. Okay. He goes on to, he concludes the letter with a reminder again of suffering and the hardships on the earth that are temporary. Note temporary. They're not forever. You know, we're not going to have to deal with these hard times or these difficult situations. That God's going to restore and he's going to confirm and he's going to strengthen and he's going to establish us and the church and you individually. Um, what do you think Peter is attempting to communicate to us with, these, with, these, with, this, with this letter, with the closing of this letter? What's he trying to, this final push, what's he trying to say? Don't give up. When it gets to, it's going, again, remember, the timing of this letter is what's so important, you know, the history of this letter. Because as soon as he says, amen, there, you know, may the Lord be with you. At the end of that period, not very much soon after is when Nero went nuts. And he began just going crazy on the Christians. So Peter wrote this letter, the Holy Spirit wrote this letter to those exiles in the perfect timing. That, hey, the storm's coming. Stand your ground, stay alert. Yes, you're going to be suffering, but it's temporary. It's temporary. And, and it's something that we need to take home with us tonight and know that, that the God who, who is perfect, the God who has everything in his hands, he knows exactly where we are as individuals, where we are as a church, where we are in our lives. Um, and we are called to his eternal glory. I want to go. I'm okay. You know, I want to go to, you know, uh, a glory. What does this glory entail? Uh, it's the glory of a purified character. Well, that's going to be a good thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's a glory of, of a perfected humanity, and, and it's a glory of complete victory. 
You know, that's going to be nice to see. Not just an occasional victory, but always victory. You know, it's a glory of being honored, you know, by a king. He's going to look at us as, 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 as his children and, and be so proud. You guys hung in there. You, you went through some difficult times. You, you suffered, but you stayed alert. You resisted. You stayed vigilant. You know, uh, I think one of the most exciting things that, that for me personally that I want to hear the Lord say is, is you know, welcome home, <laughs> you good, faithful kid. <laughs> Even though you were a knucklehead, you made it, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to just lose it at that point, <laughs> just so you know. I'm going to be a blubbering idiot. You know, I'm just going to fall down and not to do no do with myself. But it's the glory of reflecting the glory of God, the glory of the immediate, constant presence of God. That's what this eternal glory is. It's going from, I'm hoping, one day, I'm hoping, Dennis, that we're going to get there. My hope is there, to instantly, we're there. Instantly. And, and everything that we've hoped for, for those of you who serve the Lord for so many years, that hope is going to come to just amazing, you know, this awesome thing, you know. Um, and the glory of the enjoyment of God himself, you know. And he goes on to say, to him be the glory and dominion forever. And then he closes out talking about, you know, uh, Silas. And if you remember Silas, he was with uh, Paul. And they had a falling out. And then Peter and him started ministering together. Um, and then he go, talks about the Mark as well. And, and Mark was the disciple Mark. And and actually, a lot of people have said that Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark from a lot of, you know, with Peter. Um, with a lot of the things taken into account, what Peter went through. Um, he was kind of his primary source of information. But it's, he kind of closes this letter out, and in, in, you know how you would write it, close a letter out and, you know, with my love or respectfully or, you know, however you'd close that out. He says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Um, he concludes with a command to, to greet and display God's love to one another. So we've got all this how to live for God while we suffer. We need to resist and all this other stuff. But we can't forget, again, the main thing, love. That's what this is all about. God is love. Imparting his love to us, we've got to love one another. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to stand for each other um, and pronounce a blessing. That he, he pronounces a blessing of peace. Um, these two things, love for each other and peace, are especially necessary for those who suffer and live in dangerous times. And, and listen, we, we're not suffering, as you may think the word, but we are in dangerous times. We are. And um, we don't know what all this entails. We don't know what they're, how they're going to come at the church or the Christians. If, you know what I'm saying? I mean, God knows that. But again, give us, give us boldness like we've never had to stand for you. Um, my personal feeling on it is I think God is, is prepping this church today to be the church of Acts, to be that New Testament church. I think they, they started off on fire, right? And then throughout the years, the kind of church just kind of dwindled. It was always there. And then we got real comfortable. We became that Laodicea. And then I think 2020, I still think 2020 was the reset wake-up button for the church. I do. That's just my personal feeling. I think that was a big, eh, I need you to wake up now. <laughs> you know, sleep time's over. Stand up because it's about over, and I don't, I don't want to lose anybody. And so, church, let's, let's start taking a fight to the enemy. I've said that before. Let's stop letting him come into our house, and let's start going to taking the territory back and you know, be like David and pursue and conquer all. And because we can, because we have a victor already. He's already won for us. So we can go walk right in his footsteps and take back everything that the enemy thinks that he's stolen from you. Uh, we've just got to be willing to, to do it. Amen? Any, any comments or, or closing comments before we, we dismiss this evening? All right. Um, this closing comment, this 1 Peter 5.12 can provide as a, a wonderful summary for the whole book, uh, his writings of exhorts, and, and it declares that this true grace from God, and, and he, he encourages us to stand firm in that grace, right? We walk in that grace. And in these last weeks that we've been studying 1 Peter, we've been given a mix of commands uh, mixed with gospel truth. And, and take some time 
over the next week before we get into the second book, maybe go over notes or go over the video or maybe do your own personal study on, on the, you know, some highlights of that, of that book and see what maybe you've learned about God and maybe what you've learned and what he's called you to do as an individual or even what he would have you continue to do uh, and how to give you grace to stand. Because I think truthfully, if we take this, this time that we're together and we study the word, I pray it's not a waste of your time. I, I do. I really do pray it's not. I pray it's something we can take home and say, you know what? I, I do need to stand up. I need to stand firm. I do need to resist that devil when he starts whispering into my ear. You know, I give him too much, I give him too much leeway sometimes. And we all do. But we need to get better at that point of just shutting him right out. As soon as he goes, <gasps> you just shut him out. Don't even give him a time of day. And don't give him a chance to even say a breath. And, um, and the Bible says he won't stick around. You know, and if he does start yapping in the air, you just run to Christ, and I guarantee you he won't follow you, right? All right, well, with that, let's close in prayer. Lord, you are so good, and your word is so awesome. And I thank you, Father, for this, this letter, First Peter, Lord, in, in which we've learned, Lord God, to, to live for you during difficult times and sufferings. Father, that we know you're with us through each and every moment of it. God, despite what life may throw at us or even the enemy tries to throw at us, we know that we can stand firm in that grace that you've given. God, we know, Lord God, that we can stand humbly, Lord, and know that you, you, we can cast our cares upon you, Lord, you, you, because you care for us. You love us, Lord. And Lord, teach us to stand firm. Lord, teach us to resist the devil. Lord, not even give him the time of day or the, the, the breath to even speak into our hearts or, or bring any fear because he's already been defeated. Let that be the focus of our hearts, that he's already a defeated foe. So we don't even have to listen to him or give him any respect. But God, as we walk, Father, let us begin to take the territory and our family and our lives back, Lord, that which he's stolen from us. God, I, think, I pray that this, this letter has blessed. I pray that this Bible study blesses and teaches us to live more for you as we apply this to your life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless. We'll see you Sunday morning.